This is a Cherish podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Boudreau. I'll be taking you for an inside look behind the glamorous facade of the interior design industry. At a time when every aspect of the business, from sourcing to trends to marketing to dealing with clients, is undergoing rapid change. Every year, it seems, the flood of designer books grows larger. Who decides which ones get published? Why do designers feel it is important to document their work between hard covers? In this day of social media, do books still have relevance? And most importantly, should you consider publishing your own book? To give us the inside scoop on design books today, I have with me two publishing veterans and a talented interior designer who has just published the first book on her work. First up is Jill Cohen, who, after working as president of Condé Nast Books and at Random House and Bullfinch Press, created her own agency, Jill Cohen Associates, in 2006 to work on publishing and brand marketing endeavors with designers and architects. Since then, she has worked with a slew of distinguished talents to help them visualize their books, find a publisher, and successfully launch their books, including Suzanne Kassler, Bobby McAlpine, Gil Schaefer, Coleman and Kravis, Brian McCarthy, and Mark Sykes. Hello, Jill. Hello, Michael. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so glad you're here. Suzanne Slesson, or as we call her, Susie, had a distinguished career in journalism at Industrial Design Magazine and as editor of the late lamented New York Times Home section and as editor-in-chief of Homestyle Magazine. In the 1980s, she herself wrote or co-wrote numerous important and influential design books, including High Tech, and a series of international surveys that broadened Americans' view of design, including French, Japanese, English, Caribbean, and Greek style, among others. In 2002, she founded Pointed Leaf Press to publish books on design, art, and fashion, which includes most recently beautiful books on designers June Ho, Barbara Lane, and Carrie Joyce. Welcome, Suzanne. Hi, Michael. Nice to be here. So glad you're here. I'm also delighted to have with us Ashley Whitaker. Ashley is a New York-based designer whose colorful, graphic, and richly layered updates on traditional style have earned her a spot on El Decor's A-List and features in House Beautiful and numerous other magazines. This fall, she launched her first book, The Well-Loved House, Creating Homes with Color, Comfort, and Drama, which was published by Rizzoli. Hello, Ashley. Hi, Michael. I'm excited to be here. So this is a topic that I think of as interest of so many people. And we wanted to get behind the glossy pages, so to speak, to get to the gritty reality of how this happens. Because as I personally know, doing a book is a lot of work and the landscape has changed. So Jill, I thought we'd start with you to give a sense of you've been doing this for a while now. How has the market for design books changed? How has the publishing process changed? seems there's more books than ever. Are they still selling? Are they still important to a designer's career? Well, everything's changed. And the great news is I don't think books have ever been more popular. It's been an incredible 18 months during COVID where design books that were quiet, woke (laughs) up. (laughs) Everyone was stuck at home. Everyone wanted information. And what's very interesting is the book's have become the only place where the general public can really learn, get a lot of information, and take a deep dive because the magazines have now become so editorial and kind of 
exciting in a way where you're seeing, you know, incredible art-filled homes and celebrity homes, but it's really not going to help you figure out how to do a floor plan in your own home. So books have become the guideline today and the experts doing the books, they've really become the mentors to the general population about how to design a home. Now, Susie, you were in magazines for a long time and went to books. And was that prompted in part by the change in the magazine business? Absolutely. I mean, while I was working at House and Garden, one of the many editorial jobs I did have, that was when I worked on the style books as a sort of a hobby, a sideline with a very nice group of people. And so I learned how to produce a book, make a book, write a book, everything about a book. When my last job, the last magazine I worked for, which was Homestyle, closed, not for its lack of success, but because the company wanted to take our bottom line, Mm -hmm. for the first time, (laughs) I didn't have a job. And a friend of mine said, don't cry in your soup. Just do the book you was wanting to do, which was a book about my stepfather's mother, who was Helena Rubinstein. And I was a former art historian. Make a long story short, I had put together the material I had. I tried to get a publisher for the book. I did not like the offers I got. And my husband said, just publish it yourself. I said, what? Are you crazy? I don't know anything about the business of publishing. But I called the printer who had done all our style books. And he said, of course, I could print it for you. So I had it printed. And there I I looked for a distributor. And suddenly I was a publisher. So once you publish one book, you become a publisher. And you have to do other books. And that's what I did in between time. I got a couple of other jobs, which kept the, which allowed me to continue setting up a publishing company. Right. But I have to say right at the beginning that Jill was the biggest influence on my publishing career because. Really? (laughs) Well, she came to me. How is that? I don't even know what year it was with the, she was representing uh, Bill Diamond and Tony Barada. And she came to me with a proposal for that book and with the suggestion that they would participate in the financial production fees of that book. And I had no idea that this was ever happening in book publishing. I had no idea. Well, this is very ironic. I have to interrupt to say I published Diamond and Barada at Bullfinch. We did their first book. We did their first book. And we did their second book. Big book for them. And- What happened was when they were ready for their second book, the publisher's standards of the amount of volume they had to do, it wasn't going to happen. It's ironic because a lot of these very high-end designers, their books are, you know, showing couture projects Mm -hmm. and it's, it's over the mass market and it becomes so expensive and over the top and becomes specialty that I went to Susie and said, look, you're, you're a specialty publisher. And she continues to do that. Mm-hmm. And those specialty books need a different level of care. And the publishers today, that has not changed. The publishers today, they've got to cycle in and out. They don't have people in-house really working right. heavily on content or creating the books. And these guys wanted something in an elaborate way. Mm-hmm. That, like, like a couture book. Mm-hmm. A couture book. Right, right. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, Ashley, because, listen, Susie's books are still around and are still influential. Many designer books are still in print or, you know, people pay hundreds of dollars for them on, you know, websites to buy them. So, but what was your thinking in terms of 
making you think, I want to do a book. I think I'm ready for a book. I'd love to know the process. And then we'll, we will get into like what it costs and all of how it goes. But I'd just love to know what the impetus was for you. Well, I think a couple things. First of all, our work had been published many times by different mm-hmm. magazines. Mm-hmm. I was very proud of that. But I felt like I had a body of work that was strong enough to be mm-hmm. seen on its own and that it could really stand on its own. And actually my dear friend, Chris Spitzmiller, who wrote the foreword of my book, he and I would sit in his kitchen. I'd go over for breakfast and I'd say, Chris, I really think you need to do a book. And he'd say, Ashley, I think you need to do a book. (laughs) And so I said, no, you do it first. And so he really, he took the plunge and he reached out to Jill and she worked really closely with him and they started shooting. And so I was very lucky to have someone else as close as Chris is to I am go through the process and really right. kind so you of saw it from the inside. Me. I saw it from the inside. And I think one of the most important things I understood is the importance of Jill and, and what she brings to the table and what her mm-hmm. group can do in facilitating it and just taking so much off of a designer's plate because I think I felt intimidated by the amount of work that it would take. It's and so a lot I of work, always, I know. It's still a lot of work, mm-hmm. but when you have someone as professional as Jill is, you know, not just holding your hand, I mean, like really leading the charge, <laughs> it made it just so much easier and a lot easier for me to to take the plunge. But also watching Chris go through the process first was super, super helpful. Can I just send my new clients directly to you, Ashley? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of time explaining you, to people what, right. what are you exactly. doing? Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, but Jill, I mean, this is a, a primal question. You know, I'm sure so many designers come to you and to you as well, Susie. So please weigh in. So how do you decide that somebody's ready to have a book published, that the world would be improved by having this book? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you decide which projects you want to really pursue and work on? It, it's gotten simpler because the publishers oh, are fewer and mm-hmm. very discerning. Right. Somebody can be really talented and have like no social media. I had somebody mm-hmm. call me and say, I do these amazing projects. I can't have anything on my website, any social media especially after COVID. I'm like, okay, so I've got to call a publisher and say, this is beautiful work. No one knows who this author is. No right. one knows how to find her. And if the stores close again, you know, it right. disappears. Right. So you have to have a platform now. Right. And I right. recently had lunch with a publisher who worked with me for years. And I said, what was the biggest change this year? And he said, we would have been dead for three months when Amazon was only servicing supplies for COVID (laughs) and all the stores were closed. Thank God for our authors who had a big platform and were on social media, buzzing, zooming, whatever, accumulating orders at Amazon, accumulating desire, (laughs) promoting themselves nonstop. Thank God for them because those books sold like crazy. And unfortunately, you know, I think a lot of very high quality designers with beautiful work are like, oh, I hate Instagram. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but, you know, I'm going to a group of publishers and your platform's way too small. And that's a sad thing. It's like a lot of people didn't invest in that. But the other thing is, I always say three things, quality, quality, quality photography that's gorgeous, (laughs) well-styled, and it's an investment. Nobody sees your work in person. This is the only way you're expressing it. If I share with a publisher that quality of work, a body of work that's new and exciting, no one wants to see 
10 years of projects that are old with big TVs in them and, you know, it's done. (laughs) (laughs) It's done. They want some level of exclusivity. Nobody can bury all their stuff, but you've got to be able to go to a publisher and say, I've got three huge projects that high visibility, they're going to be in my book. You're going to be able to, you know, blow that out. And somebody who can, you know, who is investing in visibility, you know, those three things have to come together. Well, we yeah. have, I, I, when people come to us and they say, well, I really want to do a book. First, I ask them, what do you have to put in a book? I mean, right. the thing like I- Like the photography. Tell, right. yeah, I mm-hmm. say to young designers, your responsibility is to supply us with the photography or we'll work with you on the photography, which we do. Mm-hmm. And eventually the text, which we will tell you, we will also, we're a kind of a much smaller company than most of the publishers that Jill has the good fortune to deal with. And really we produce about eight to 10 books a year. That's it. So it's really custom. Right. But I really ask people, why do you want to do a book? And I really tell them, The sales are not going to make you rich. The royalties are what the standard are in the Mm -hmm. business. You have to put in the time and the money to produce it. And then you have to put in the time to promote it, whether it's on social media or hiring a publicist Mm -hmm. or whatever you have to do. And I have a couple of posts to people from way back who really did that before I even knew to tell people to do that. One of them was David Scott who Mm -hmm. hired a very high-powered publicist, cost him more than it cost him to do the book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But she got him onto panels. He gave lectures. He was out there in the world. And people started seeing him in a world that he was on the level of designers who were way above him. And that changed his position in the business completely. Right. He grew his off. Anyway, that's you have to see a book not only as a book and how many it will sell, because I I don't know how it is with other publishers, but honestly the numbers are very small, no matter right. how you and that's the honest answer for our books. But we have reprinted books, but really what it is, it's exposure in the right places. It's like a marketing tool. It's a marketing, totally a marketing tool. Right. Now, actually, in terms of your book, one of the things that I've heard from designers is that they feel that having a book expands their client base and gets some new clients. Is that something that you thought about when you were doing your your book? I absolutely thought about it, but I think it's interesting because, as, as we know, my book came out kind of during COVID. Right. And so... We were getting so busy already. So it's very hard for me to gauge exactly what's been book driven and what's been COVID driven. So it's kind of interesting to see the two play out together at the same time. But I do feel really, really positive about the response that our book has gotten from the level of clients that are reaching out to us for new projects. Okay, that's good. So that's one. What are the other gauges of success for you in terms of the book? Let's say a year from now, what do you hope it will have accomplished for you? Well, what I love about having the book is people's being able to see our range of work in one place. So when they they see a magazine, they see one house, they see one story, they see one Oh, you only do lots of chintz or you only do solid colors. A lot of fun for people to see some of our more contemporary Mm -hmm. projects, Mm -hmm. some of our more traditional projects, all under one umbrella. And I think it really 
shows off your range, which right. I think is very, very important as a designer. Right. Now, I want to get a little into the process. Now, Ashley, did you have everything, you had everything photographed already? Did you have to re-photograph things? How did that work? It was a hybrid. So Mm -hmm. I had about five projects that I came to Jill with initially in our initial meeting. And I actually had a small book that I put together through something called, I want to say it's called Blurb or, Mm -hmm. you know, like an an Apple book kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I would do that every six months and we'd update it with new projects and I'd take it to a new client meeting, just hand it to them really as a portfolio of our work. So it was nice when I had my first meeting with Jill, I could sit down with her and show her my work in, you know, quasi book format, certainly Mm -hmm. nothing that, um, you know, know, Rizzoli would produce, but um, (laughs) I thought that was very, very helpful. And it, we invested early on in quality photography, which I think Jill will expand on certainly. Quality photography, using a good stylist and just making that investment in my business from the very, very beginning and understanding the importance of that. And that's something I tell young designers. They say, what's the most important thing I can do? And I said, document your work from the Absolutely. very beginning. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, terrific. And I just want to say when Ashley did show me that, what was very helpful was to show her that when a project was shot by a magazine and they spent a day and she had 12 pictures, that was only giving me six spreads in the book. Mm -hmm. And that if you want to fill a 240-page book, you got to shoot 20 houses to do that. So you can't do that. You've got to spend the money to do a thorough shoot and get lots of details and get, we did deep dives to create more marketing stories within her book where we would instruct the photographer to shoot all the little details of fabrics that connect and rooms that connect to give marketing stories and add eight pages of a deep dive into a bedroom. Because as I know, yeah, yeah, in a Mm -hmm. magazine, you can only have eight pages, maybe. Right. Right. Ten ten pages, if you're lucky, sometimes six pages. So you can't, it's more overviews than details. So that's a very interesting point. So this way, there are several chapters in her book that take a deep dive with a deep instructional, Mm -hmm. coordinating fabrics, of coordinating rooms. Mm -hmm. A lot of what her book was about when I went to look at her projects, which is totally different than looking at pictures was to see how holistic the house looked, how everything connected, and dive into how do you do that. And then fabrics was one way, color was another way, you know, mm-hmm. certain things she did. Right. And that's the story we want to tell. I think it's so interesting what you say about how the book is somewhat instructional, because I think we're getting more to that than, you know, rather than just a compendium of lush and beautiful projects. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Billy Baldwin, famously, his wonderful books were instructional in a way. And I think there is a market for that. Uh, do you, is that true, do you think? I think, Michael, when you were just mentioning, why did I want to do a book? And I think a lot of it was the influence that those books had on me when I was mm-hmm. starting my career. I mean, reading Billy Baldwin decorates cover to cover. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't even tell you the number of takeaways that I still <laughs> use every day in my work from that and Jeffrey Bill Huber's book and Mark Hampton's book. So a lot of the kind of original books were very instructional. And I think that's very important in what we do. It also depends on the designer, of course. Well, of course. I mean, if it's a retrospective of Mario Bawada and it's for, you know, a lifetime of work. Our first project together was 20 years ago where you wrote 
the Sills Hunniford dwellings right. book for me. Right. And um, you know, working with Stephen Sills, he's not he's not doing a step by step of how he bought. No, he doesn't need. Well, he did quote. it in that book. He doesn't need <laughs> right. to do it again. Right. You know? Right. And I totally agree that you have to work harder as a publisher and an editor these days to give the book some really good content. And it's not a portfolio, as Jill said. It's really not a portfolio. I think that's one of the most important things Jill told me early on, is we need to create the narrative of your book (laughs) almost before you start shooting. And I think that was so wonderful. Jill came to that first shoot, and she really got a sense of my work she said, not just from the pictures, but from the entirely cohesive house and how the rooms connected, how this, and we sat down for, I'd say 30 minutes with the photographer, Thomas Loof and the stylist, Carolyn Englefield. And Jill walked us through step-by-step. I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And it started to tell a story. And then as we continued to shoot projects, Mm -hmm. we knew what we were shooting towards. And that was mm-hmm. so important. And I really learned that from Jill because otherwise I would have just continued <laughs> to shoot, shoot, shoot and say, right. okay, here's a bunch of pictures, make it right. work. No, I was saying, we always talk about storytelling. It's, yes. it's, you know, it's, it's really yes. you're telling the story of how the home came together, how you, the decisions were made. I think that's the biggest problem Then Susie and I are aligned in agreement on this. Somebody comes to you and says, I've shot everything now, make something of it. And it's like, I'm shocked at how many designers and architects come to me with pictures and I'm asking them about it. And they're like, oh, I hated that urn. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> the homeowner brought in, it didn't match. Why'd you take the picture? Some of them aren't even at the shoots. They yeah. hire a, a big time photographer and they go, oh, well, they shoot everything for AD. That They knew what to shoot. Well, where's your story behind that? What's right. your caption? Right. Here's the Point thing of the view. homeowner did. Right. I love right. And totally admire the photographers I work with. They're brilliant. I can't do anything they can do. But they know what they're doing and they often get poor direction. Right. So, you know, clients defer and like, what what should I be looking at? They're looking at the most beautiful picture. Unless a designer comes in and says, here's a story I'm trying to tell. I'm telling a story about connectivity. I'm telling a story about fabric and pattern and how it all connects and what I did. I'm the designer here. Please don't just take the pictures of the Mm. beautiful window trim and whatever. Architects want, you know, we have a lot of people who architects and designers working on the same houses doing books, you know, John Murray and Mm -hmm. Ellie Coleman or, and they're shooting different things. Right. Sometimes don't even know it's the same house. Right. John Murray and Stephen yeah. Sills did a house together. They right. both ran it in the book. They didn't even have the same pictures. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jill, I think you said early on, you said people shoot too many bedrooms and not enough details. Right. And I I feel like that's probably what we right. used to do. Mm-hmm. Tried to shoot every room instead of doing a deep dive into six mm-hmm. or seven rooms. But we often go even one step more bossy, I would say, with a photographer. <laughs> you bossy, Susie? More bossy very bossy. Than Joe? Are you so <laughs> that's shoot, impossible. I'm very bossy <laughs> because I know how much it costs and I know how right. much the no. the author is paying. And I say, listen, we have to get 20 pages. We have to get 10 spreads out of this story, out of this one day shoot. Mm-hmm. It's not like working on a magazine where you shot for two days, you stayed overnight. But w- what we try and do is sometimes I get the creative director I work with to come to the shoot and we say, okay, what we know what's going to be on that spread. This is the detail. What is it going against? And we try and map it out ahead of time. Not like at a magazine, I'd spend two days on a shoot, hand everything over to the art director, would come back, 
I would say, you didn't even ask me, was the kitchen right. important? Was the right. living room important? Were the textiles important? And so we know before we start that shoot what we want to focus on. Right. 100%. And that's the most important thing. Right. But I here's think. the challenge, and I think the challenge for client and photographer. So I've been shooting like crazy. I've been on probably 20 out of the last 30 days. The reason why is a lot of new clients and they don't understand, and I'm teaching them, I'm not going to be on every one of your shoots. You're going to start out today. You're going to show what matters to you. But I have the photographer saying, oh my God, this is a two day shoot. And I got one day here. Mm-hmm. And I have to say to the two of them, okay, we're not getting more than 15 heroes here and we need these details. How are we doing it? Let's prioritize. Are we dropping this bedroom? Are we dropping whatever? Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely. you can't have the photographer start and then say, oh, your day is over. Well, we didn't get right. the kitchen. Well, so you prioritize, you do that right. shoot list early in the right. morning. And listen, they're both, it's a, it's a stressful day. Both sides right. are saying we're not going to finish. They're both mm-hmm. saying we're not going to finish. And it's a race against time every day. And now everybody's shooting like crazy and it gets dark earlier. Uh-huh. Right. So we have a right. shoot set up. And I just heard from the photographer yesterday. She said, it's 548 is sundown. We're done. Right. What time can we start? <laughs> right. And which rooms are we doing? And then right. I, the client yesterday said, let's add another day. We're not going to get it done. It's, it's, we have a story to tell. Right. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying our podcast. My name is Anna Brockway, and I'm the co-founder and president of Cherish. If you're a designer who's struggling with long lead times from suppliers and increasingly impatient clients, now is the time to shop with us. Our vintage antique and one-of-a-kind inventory is ready to ship right now. To learn more, visit Cherish.com. That's C-H-A-I-R-I-S-H.com. And now back to the show. Now, photography aside, and God knows we can't really put it aside because it is crucial, as you guys have made clear. But I'd love to get a sense for designers who are listening in and thinking about it. Maybe they're like 10 years younger than Ashley, but they're thinking, oh, eventually I'd love to have do a book. Once you decide you want to work with a designer, how do you go about it? Like, what are the costs involved? How long does it take? I think people don't realize how long a book takes. Mm Mm-hmm. How does the writer get involved? Who pays for that? Mm-hmm. I'd love to get a sense. I mean, I think I know, but I probably am going to learn, but I think our audience really would love to know some specifics. Well, I'll do a, I'll do a quick sequence of how all the publishers I work with, what our sequence is, and then Susie can dive in and talk about her sequence. One of the things about Susie is that she's an editorial genius and spends yes, a lot of time thinking about what they're expressing and the detail of text. I'm dealing with some people who really care about that and some people say, do I, do I need a manuscript? How can we do my, my book without <laughs> text? But there is a sequence. Somebody says, what's it going to take for us? The sequence is the visuals and the narrative that I work with mm-hmm. the client on. I do not assign a writer generally until I really know more about my author, how articulate they are, how their brand has been expressed. Is their brand clearly identified? Do they need somebody to start identifying who they are? Or is that very distinct? And we know what we're saying. And it's two different things. So somebody like Mark Sykes, he had a very distinct brand. He knew what his vibe was. We really didn't have to hire a writer till really far into the game because we had the whole storytelling sequence. And his was about, like most people, we put together the concept and the layouts and like a 50 to 100 page sample. 
And then I show it to the publishers and say, here's our story. Here's our author. Here's their platform. Here's their gig. Here's everything about them. Here's what they're going to do. Here's what they have done. Here's their level of publicity. They want comparisons. You know, I want to be able to go in and say, Ashley's the next blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to name three best-selling authors that they could compare to because the level of where she's at, the level of her visibility, how they know she's going to be the next bestseller. So it's a whole lot harder when people don't have enough. So when somebody calls me, I say to them, are you ready? What projects are completed? What's coming up? How much photography? What level of is your platform? And I, you know, at this point, Susie, you're like me. It's a quick study. I can tell somebody, you know, and and I discovered the other day that 50% of the people I work with came to me more than five years ago. We had this lengthy discussion and they're back. Jill, something you did that I thought was very interesting and smart early on was you put together, what was the packet you put together of imagery? You went through all the magazine stories. You pulled out quotes. So I do an edit doc. And and basically, I looked at everything that had been written about Ashley in the last 10 years. And the right. first thing I did was I sat down with her after my team. We do an edit doc and say, what's still true? Like Jay Jeffers' first book, It was all about, I wrote his edit doc all about color and vintage. And he said, oh, that's when my clients had no money. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I'm not going to be the guy doing color and vintage. That was me like, you know, covering up for their lack of, now it's, now it's antiques and beautiful furnishings. (laughs) Okay. So Susie, you go to, you publish these yourself. So you're very select about who you do, right? And you have an interesting range. I mean, what's interesting, you know, as a real editor, I think you're like me. You like a lot of different kinds of things. I mean. I do. What I look for in people is a passion for their work mm-hmm. and whether they're willing to tell that story and work on it with us. Well, with interior designers, I have a lot of experience interviewing interior designers. So I could tell very quickly mm-hmm. Are they going to do the work? Are they going to listen to us? And some do and some don't. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we have, it's very custom because we really want our books to be very different one from the other, even though I work with mainly basically now one, but I I don't think any of the books are similar to to each other. But I really do think that I don't, do a presentation. I'm the publisher, so I don't have to. <laughs> yeah, you, you no, have, I have to, to sell to yourself. Myself. That's good. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, I can right. give you specific examples that are very surprising because when you start talking to designers, what they've said at the beginning is really very different from what they really want in their book. And <laughs> they, mm-hmm. it's by the time you finish the book, it's a completely different concept than what you started out with. It's a very interesting thing because some people have, they know what they want to say and some people have no idea. Here's my work. Try and make right. it. You know, a lot of visual uh-huh. people, designers are visual. No they don't, they're not clear on the storytelling, yeah. you know? So we have to really get to the bottom of it. And sometimes it's more difficult than other times. Mm-hmm. 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 I sent somebody to Susie this, like my books, I have to go shop to five people. So I have to show them the different ways they can approach. And sometimes it does morph where we're doing a book and I've sold it on one concept and we're going through it and a better concept comes and I have to go back to the publisher and say, this is, but I have to prove to them visually, this is so much better, deeper, richer. 
and they have to be happy. Right. Sometimes it goes the other way where right. somebody's gone to a direction and I say, let's not go too far in this. That's not the book we sold. So Susie has definitely right. much more ability to shape because she's not, you know, got some boss telling her what they right. want. But the thing about Susie is I recently sent somebody to her and said, this is so much more for you because it was somebody who had a brand and he was a visionary and like that is a very hard thing for me to sell to a publisher, like an artist right. who wants to express themselves. Right. And it's like, you know, okay, well, you do an art and this is this is going to be a deep dive into your psyche. And there's no I, I can't even do layouts right now. <laughs> Call no Susie. <laughs> right. It's right. Right. I have yeah. to talk to Jill about this separately. <laughs> I know, you know, there's an expression in French yes. which is called cadeau empoisonné, which is a poison gift. Yeah. It's a wonderful <laughs> gift. But right. then you think, how exactly. did I ever accept? What am I going to do with this? That person is that person. <laughs> I hear you. I haven't right. really gotten to face it yet this way. But You know, you know some things are right. too hard. Some, some things are very things hard. Some things are too hard. Right. I'm not right. great at saying no. You know, I, I work with this wonderful Me creative neither. director and he's he gets scared when I go to a meeting outside the office. <laughs> Do not talk <laughs> about money. Do not think that is what you always say, that I think every book is a major magazine article and I can take right. it on and I can make it right. work. Right. He said, it's not that. It's eight months of work. We have to deal with all this stuff. This person doesn't have anything. I don't want to do this book. He's ends up by doing the book. But I we fight a lot. Right. And that's when right. you work with one person. Right. And I really am drawn to difficult people and trying Right. Yeah, that's, that's a curse. It's it's <laughs> You know what? I think I think 50% of the people we work with are we difficult are. not because they're difficult people, right. but totally. because they present us with challenges. And it's I love like, that. Right, and they're very totally. clear about what they want. Now, Ashley, I'd love to get a sense of the process from your side. You worked with Jill. You got a deal with Rizzoli. So how did it work? Rizzoli gives you an advance against royalties. Is that That's correct? That's correct. Yes. And that, but I assume that did not cover no, the, all the costs of the book. It certainly <laughs> did not. But, but a lot yeah. of the costs of the book are actually, you know, what I called kind of sunk costs anyway. It's work right. that I would be doing no matter what. I would be having okay. my projects photographed. There were five projects that had been completed years, you know, not years ago, but mm -hmm. recently. So those were kind of in the bank. And the projects that I was going to continue to photograph were going to be things I would have photographed irrespective of doing right. a book. Right. So once I did have a contract from Rizzoli, we actually, COVID happened is what happened. Right. So I had a contract. I think it was sitting in my office waiting to be signed and returned to Rizzoli. And suddenly it was March 15th. And I thought, and you oh, couldn't, right. I don't really, I have a deal with Rizzoli, but I don't have a contract with Rizzoli. So I got into the city at some point, signed it, sent it back to them. And then it was, you know, a little while before everybody knew what was happening right. in the world. So there was a little bit of a waiting game in there. And in the meantime, we had made decisions. Oh, we're going to shoot this in April. We're going to shoot this in May. We're going to shoot this in 
August and September. And suddenly all of that was out the window completely. So we really had to go back and kind of, you know, not scramble because it was kind of a waiting game. Are we Mm going to do this? Are we going to move forward? Are we ever going to be able to go back into a client's house? Are people uncomfortable? So it was a really compressed schedule is what it was. And Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that either, you know, just sort of getting it done. You don't want to drag it out, baby. (laughs) Exactly. The task expands to the time allotted, as they say. So we, uh, I want to say we did four shoots within three months, maybe towards, towards the end of COVID, July, August, September, October, I guess, Mm -hmm. I think is, is when we shot. And then it was pretty, a pretty quick turnaround after that, after our photography was completed to work with the art director, work with the writer, all of those things. And at what point did you hire the writer? What, the how writer, did you select Jill your writer? Me to find a writer, mm-hmm. and that was another COVID thing. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. my right. writer and I—we never met face to face. Suddenly, yeah. Zoom calls, right? Every, yeah. I was over just ready to say you're right. you're asking Ashley about like the exception, not the rule. Yeah, no, but exactly. Yeah. Yes, but I yeah. worked on a book with the writer in California, and we did a lot with Zoom calls. Yeah. I mean, we did meet right. and stuff, you know. But so. can I tell you, there's no substitute for a writer being able to tour the spaces. Oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree. agree. And totally to get agree. to know the person, I always say the only way to really choose the great writer is you meet, you have drinks. Mm-hmm. You really get into getting to know each it's other a little bit. Personal. You go yeah. see a house. You're right. You have them write and think about how I would approach you. Yeah. Because it's much more personal and you get to see if somebody has your vibe. Okay. And that's and ideal. Just, just to be a little more practical here, what is the average rate for a writer on a you know a major monograph design book, Jill? I'm, I'm not asking going, you to say how much you paid, Ashley, but you know, just the range. <laughs> it's a very big range. And mm-hmm. I'm going to say it's between it, it honestly is between fifteen and thirty five thousand. Okay. Fifteen is someone with with less experience, mm-hmm. a lightweight manuscript. Some mm-hmm. magazine experience, a consolidated time, a very well-defined layout already mm-hmm. where they're kind of working right. on doing a narrative right. and right. the designer knows what they want to say. Then the 35, which is highly unusual, there's only one person I work with who's at that rate. And that person decided to go to that rate because he or she, I don't mm-hmm. want to reveal, mm-hmm really likes to work on a book for like six months with nothing else distracting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And each of the books, some of the books he or she have done have sold like 40 or 50,000 copies and Mm -hmm. feels like that's Mm -hmm. where I want to be. So you, you work with the writer, you get the, what about the art director or the design director? I want to say even before the writer, uh, Doug Tertian came in, he was the art director and well, that he's one of the best. So he's that's one of good. the best. Yeah. He, I, he is one of the best. And mm-hmm. I, as I wrote in my acknowledgments, I said, um, just step back and watch the master's work. And that I did. <laughs> right. I just right. let him do his thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I came in with a comment or a tweak. And, and Jill was, again, super, super helpful in that process of, mm-hmm. you know, this is the story we're telling here. We need a bigger picture on this page. We need more details here. So, to me, it was, Susie said earlier, are you willing to do the work and are you willing mm-hmm. to listen to me? And I think right. those are two of the most important things. And that was totally. the important thing about knowing I was ready to do the book is knowing I had the time and the bandwidth to put the work in because right. it's work. And when you make a commitment to the publisher, 
their expectations are high. And, you know, mine are high of myself and I knew I was going to put the work in and and get it done properly. Now, in terms of the art director like Doug, is he brought in by Rizzoli or do you go to Rizzoli and say, we want to have Doug design the book? How does that work, Jill? It's really with client direction. The client says, mm-hmm. who do you think I should work with? Now, Ashley right. was like the perfect client. She's like, right. I want to do this right. What do you, right. you think is a great match? Right. I think Doug was a great match because he he really has a commercial sensibility. Mm-hmm. She wanted a commercial. My struggle is where clients, and I'd say 20% of the people are like this. I want something completely different. I don't want my book to look like anybody else's. And we have gone down the path with a lot of designers who do only art books and they're doing this. And it starts to fall apart. And I'll Mm -hmm. tell you why. Everybody wants something different. But remember, the photography is all being shot in a format that works for magazines. So all of a sudden, you're like 8 by 10, 9 by 11, 9 and 3 quarter. Like, they're going to look, they're going to have the same trim. Then Mm -hmm. you have the direction from Amazon and Barnes & Noble saying to Rizzoli or to Abrams or to somebody, oh, this dynamic image on the cover is going to work. And you've got a client saying, I just want my name debossed on linen. It's like, okay, yeah. well, Amazon, <laughs> Amazon's going to buy 10 of those. Yeah, but John right. Saladino got it or, right. you know, Axel yeah. Report. Well, right. yeah, Axel yeah. gets it. When you're Axel, right. you can have your name debossed. Right. But, right. but so there is a commercial formula that works and it's right. like a magazine. You're, right. you're standing right. there, Michael. You can't fight been, City Hall. You know, you can't. City Hall. It's it's not. And people want it. those books. They want yes. a book. They don't want necessarily yeah. an objet right. that you know unfolds or something. Well, and even I could talk to you about that. But Susie, but, Susie but will Susie, do that. Yeah, and, you know, and sometimes and, no, Susie. Sometimes no, that but, is right. No, you know, you but, want but, something but, very special and very looks. You know, and, this mm-hmm. whole issue is one of the surprises of my life. I mean, I can't really compare myself to Jill's authors because. They are much, the the number of books that Rizzoli prints and distributes, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure it's, it's way beyond ours because I think everybody is printing first editions, very small. Right, very first right run, now. print runs. And right. we do, we've had a lot of success with books that we've reprinted, although it's not the most financially mm-hmm. good way to do it because, it, mm-hmm. of course, the old-fashioned idea is, print a lot and they'll sell and the unit price goes down. But I don't believe in that. I believe in doing what I think we could sell in two, three years. Right. If the book is successful, we reprint it, no problem. Well, one of the books we had a big surprise at was a very luxe book by a designer called Carrie Joyce. And I thought, who is going to buy this book? He's not that well known. It's a very beautiful it's, book, it's, however. It's a beautiful, beautiful. book. Beautiful we worked book. on it for two years yeah. because he mm-hmm. was so particular. Mm-hmm. He went to the printer yeah. he, on press mm-hmm. to change the color. He's a perfectionist. He wanted to take all the color out of most of the pictures so that they would have a very down look. We stopped him at at some, <laughs> at some place and we stopped him. Fade but away. The surprise <laughs> of that book is that it has been our bestseller. A very, very similar experience to Carrie Joyce. And I know Carrie and actually you were the perfect match for him. Nancy Braithwaite, same thing. Two years of detailed production things. She was not somebody that was easy to sell. It was like a retired legacy book. You know, she was a cover story 30 years ago. She wanted a debossed cover. She wanted those polka dots. She wanted no no image on the cover. We did a little compromise, but she spent 
over a year coming in to meet with Rizzoli production to get black edges and whatever. <laughs> Long know. story short, her book, Simplicity, with no tour and no press, basically, is probably over 30,000 copies sold. It continues to reprint Amazing. because it, Amazing. Is a, it is a work of art. And Carrie, same way. So mm-hmm. what's right. interesting is... Sometimes, I wish we could get to 30,000, but we, I can't say we got to 30,000, but we're doing I mean, You may well. still. Yeah, you may it's still. We may selling. still. And it yeah. is amazing. And, you know, when I used to look at magazines, every table had Tom Ford's book. That was yes, like absolutely. And yes. I said, one day I want to have a book that yes. I could see in photograph. I always look at people's bookshelves. Do they have a pointed leaf press book? Do they not have... <laughs> And I do the same thing. It's an Carrie addiction. Joyce is <laughs> yes. in a lot of photographs. Showing up. Yep. Right. And yep. I am the one who's the single most surprised. I mean, he worked extremely hard. We hired yep. a writer. Uh, it was a very luxe book. It started out as a smaller book. And mm-hmm. then our creative director said, you know, these pictures are really good. We should make it into a bigger book. I'm going to do a dummy and I'm going to send it to Carrie. And as soon as he saw it, he said, let's do it. Yeah, and that's I, great. To tell you how strange the book business is, when we were deciding to reprint it, we asked our distributor, what did he think? He said, you can only reprint it if you make it smaller. (laughs) So I said, I'm not making it smaller. I think the success of this book is its Uh size and its impact. And really, it's going to cost us more money, but that's what I'm committed to. And I know I was right. And I think that there are books that, deliver both because mm-hmm. they have a presence, a visual presence, and they can also have content that you get to. Right. They can right. have both things. And right. I'm I'm really excited about this because I really think that the physical presentation of that book is what made it. Yeah. Yes. So one, I just want to, okay, one last nitty gritty question. As a designer who's thinking they're ready to publish a book, they either go to you, Jill, or Susie, I mean- there's a few other people, but you two are the masters. How much ballpark should they expect to have to spend to produce a really good book? Maybe not a Carrie Joyce book of that level, but a really beautiful book. How much is it going to set them back? A range. So I'm going to, Susie, I'd love to hear your answer. I'm going to throw in that photography. I like what Ashley said. You have to shoot the pictures anyway. So we can round it up and say, if you're going to show 10 houses, okay, and everything is going to be a two to three day shoot, you're going to spend 10 to $15,000 per shoot between a professional photographer. Mm -hmm. Well, you can go a lot cheaper. You can have a $2,000 a day photographer, $1,000 a day for a stylist. Now you're going to add retouching. You're going to add the flowers. You're going to add the cost of your time. Maybe it's going to be five grand a day. If mm-hmm. you're doing two days, maybe it's 10 grand a shoot or 15. So let's say mm-hmm. 10 grand a shoot. Maybe five of your houses are already shot. They're in the bank. Mm-hmm. But these are the houses you're shooting for your website, for right. your social, right. for your whatever. Okay. So it's how you amortize the photography. If it's 10 grand a shoot, it's 10. If you're spending 100 grand, 75, 50, you're going to have your biggest bulk of expense mm-hmm. on that photography. Right. Okay. Then, or your writer, let's throw in 25. Mm hmm. Okay. And then the design, you're going to have to pay part of the design or all of it. Maybe it's 15 grand, maybe it's 20 grand. Right. Maybe you're going to get a cheap designer for seven. 
I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. building a wardrobe. Are you mm-hmm. buying from the Gap or Armani? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so you're at maybe that a hundred and a quarter. Now, maybe 75,000 of the photo shoots you would be doing anyway. Right. Okay. Now, somebody made a very good point earlier. Susie talked about David Scott. You got to save money for your PR. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've right. invested all this stuff right. and like, you're like, oh, I'm going to book myself on a couple lectures. You're going to be calling everybody going, where can I go? And like, oh, that Nashville Antique Show, that keynote was booked two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So publicists, we all know them. There's lots of great ones that specialize in this. There's like six firms that that we all know. They're retainer. Right. I'm not going to quote their prices, but everybody's worked with them. And it's like, is it how many grand a month and, and what's the scope of it? And I always recommend reach out to some of the great ones and see what they can do for you for what. Some people are like, hey, we'll do your print. We'll do your touring. What happens during COVID? How are we going to get you yep. out there? Uh-huh. So I do think that everybody can do the math themselves. They can say, what does it cost me to do a photo shoot? What does it cost me to do a PR? Well, I think also to Jill's point about paying for, you know, the best or close to the best, it saves you money because you can then invest the time you're saving back into your business. You can't forget Mm -hmm. about your business while all this is going on. And a book is an investment. It is a major investment. So trying to save money by doing any or, you know, any portion of this yourself, you're really not saving money. You know, setting up your own book tour and doing your own PR. Absolutely not. Also, it's not all at once. It's over a period of two or three years. It takes so much time. So the time I think I need to be investing in it is going on the book tour and doing the right. speaking and, but all the logistics <laughs> and setup and asks yeah. and calls right. and the press portion is, right. you know, can't be right. underestimated. But that will pay off. Yes, right. absolutely. That will pay off. Oh, absolutely. Michael, you asked a question earlier on the yeah. gauge of success and if Ashley got a new mm-hmm. client out of it. And I want to tell you, we, we've been monitoring this for about 15 years I can tell you this. The new client doesn't come the day after your book comes out. No, right. No. But everybody I've worked with, and Susie has the same thing, they've been back for book two, book three, book four, because the business growth is tremendous. And most people, my piece of advice, if you already have a book, is my smart clients get a call to the office. Somebody says, hi, I'd like to talk to Ashley about working with her. Oh, let me take your information. We'll set up a time, whatever. That day, the book goes overnight to the person. Uh Let that person look at the scale of work you do and think, oh, I had a $100,000 budget. I don't think I'm calling her. (laughs) Oh, seriously. And then, or, hey, look at what she can do. She's my person. Yes. And you use that book as your introductory tool. And so many of my clients who have a ton of work. Okay, Mm -hmm. let's just say, I mean, McAlpin, Gil, I mean, it's unbelievable. People say, oh, I read the the book word for word. I know I want you. I don't even want to, you know, it's like, put it out there because everybody, I don't have one client that didn't get new business from the book, including cold calls or sealing a deal or competing about somebody else. You know, this may not end up in the recording, but Carrie Joyce, when I met with him about 10 years ago, he said, I need a book. I said, why? He said, because I met Oprah. She loved my work. I did something in her house. And she said, come back tomorrow and drop off your book and we'll talk about working together. And he didn't have a book. Right. 
it is the ultimate seal of approval in yes. a certain ways. Yes. And you I know, just want to say one one mm-hmm. thing that I, I agree totally with this financial structure that mm-hmm. Jill does. We work slightly differently. The numbers in the long term are the same. Right. What we do is slightly different. We have a eight month or ten month agreement with people because we are the publisher. Right. And it ranges from, I don't know, it probably starts, I'm not allowed to say this, but I will, starts at around 80 for a major book. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't include the writing, right? which normally I've had a lot of authors who I work with on the writing directly. Right. So Yeah. And you know who needs a writer and who do. doesn't. Right. Exactly. And right. they talk it into somebody, I fix their writing very surprisingly, a lot of authors can talk about their work very well, right. and I I turn that into copy. Right. So, right. but we have hired outside writers exactly in the mm-hmm. range that uh, Jill talked about, right. and they work directly with the author. But what we provide is a different kind of thing. We say you have to pay for the photography. Mm-hmm. We will help you with it, but your fee that you pay us takes care of everything else: design, production. So that printing, is different. Right. Shipping. It's it's slightly right. different. Right. I think in the long term, it comes out to the same I thing. I have a feeling. It sounds like much the same. It's much the same. Right. But it is, a, it is, and some people get sticker shock, really. Right. right. What do yeah, you mean? Well. I say, you have to understand what this can do for you, exactly right. what you said. Right. And we've had many designers who have taken a book to a presentation, and because they have a book, they get the job. No, um, and and I think it's I equivalent. Still in books. The price is equivalent, maybe a little more, but maybe a little less of doing like a show house room. Do you know? I mean, if you get yes, asked to do less. a space yes. show house room, exactly. yes, and, yes. and a book lasts a lot longer. One of the things that struck me listening to you was how much. Well, I knew about how much work, but how much work, how much time, how much passion goes into creating every single book. And the next time you know anybody picks up a design book. And they think it's great. I just hope they realize, you know, yes, it's $50, $60, $70 to buy that book. But what a bargain when you look at how much has gone into that book. So I want to thank Jill Cohen, Susie Slesson, and Ashley Whitaker for all your insights. And really, thank you all for bringing so much wisdom and beauty into the world. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. This was fun. You've been listening to the Cherish podcast, brought to you, of course, by Cherish, which was recently voted by the readers of USA Today as the best place to shop online for furniture and home decor. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or colleague. Or better yet, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We appreciate your help in spreading the word. And we would love your ideas for future episodes. Please email us at podcast at cherish.com. The Cherished Podcast is produced by Britta Muller and engineered by Hangar Studios in New York. Until next time.